0: The story of Jonah is one of the most known stories in the Bible. A man named Jonah runs from God in an attempt to avoid God's command to him, and in so doing, we see God in the role of a repo man reaching out to Jonah and halting his escape. In this episode, we'll look at the life of Jonah and see if we can put ourselves in Jonah's shoes. Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. Okay, so for this episode I want to talk about the book of Jonah. It's a pretty short story. Uh, It is one page in my Bible, but for the sake of time we won't read it because it does take me about seven minutes to read it. And let's be honest—who wants to listen to me read for seven minutes? So, not me. There's that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The number one, uh, number one opposer is sitting here in the room with me. So, uh, my wife is probably number two. So, the Book of Jonah is about a prophet named Jonah, who's the son of a man named Amittai. Uh, We see him mentioned one other time in the Bible. I believe it's in First Kings, or excuse me, Second Kings, chapter fourteen. Um, And uh, anyway, he's mentioned there. And um, here we see really his story. So in the book of Jonah, he receives a mission from God to go to Nineveh and to preach the coming destruction to the Ninevites. Um, They're pretty much told that their, their whole society will end in a short period of time. So he boards a boat... And where do you think he goes?
1: Not to Nineveh.
0: Basically 180 <laughs> degrees opposite direction. Um, hops on, and he's like, nope, and gets on and just starts going. And we see that he goes down in the belly of the ship and takes a nap, and there's a big storm that comes. And there's a lot of, um, just a side note, there's a lot of parallels that you can see with uh, Jesus and his ministry in the story of Jonah, just things that are kind of shadows of things to come. And the storm on, and uh, him being in the boat and sleeping in the boat, those are all things that Jesus went through. And he's, uh, Jesus is, uh, anyway, we, I said I wasn't going to do this, so we're going to stop there. There's a lot. So if you <laughs> get the time, read the story, and just think about Jesus, and you'll see a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff jump out. So anyway, he's in the boat, and uh, there's a storm going on, and uh, he's sleeping in the belly of the boat, and the other sailors on the boat are trying to wake him up because they're like, hey, man, we need your help, and we don't know why this is happening. Everybody's praying to their gods, and he says, hey, do you know why this is happening? And Jonah says, yep, I know why. And so anyway, they eventually cast lots, and it comes to Jonah, and they just, they say, well, what do we need to do? And he says, uh, you need to throw me out of the boat. And they say no way, and so they try to row and row and row and row, and they're not going anywhere. So finally, they concede, and they throw Jonah out into the ocean, or sea, I guess. Um, and then from there, it moves into chapter two. The book of Jonah is four chapters, uh, but in chapter two, we see that he is swallowed by a fish. So we really see at the end of chapter one that he's swallowed by a fish, a giant fish, but. In chapter 2 we see his prayer that he prays from inside the fish and in his prayer that he prays, he talks about how he has been saved from the depths and how God has heard his prayer and has reached out and saved him. So we get the impression that Jonah was either near the point of drowning or he had been in the water for some time and then this fish came and uh, I guess kept him alive you can say. so then from there, uh, after he prays and he's in this fish for a few days, this fish spits him up on dry land. And uh, what do you think happens next? You think he just goes about his merry life? Nope. He still has a job to do. Um, and so he goes back to his mission. And I believe he's given the same calling. Uh, so the Lord, yes, exactly. So uh, he comes out of the fish and God comes to him again, just as he did in chapter 1, and says, go do what I told you to do. Um, and so he goes to Nineveh, and he gets to Nineveh, and it's a 3 days journey across the city, and he starts preaching his message of the coming destruction. And the people of Nineveh repent, and uh, they, they do all kinds of fasting, and um, they put on sackcloth and ashes and... Anyway, they repent, and God relents of his coming wrath, which is not something that we see in this context a lot, that he relents against coming wrath against people who are not his, if you can say it that way.
1: Because we also don't see this level of repentance, usually.
0: We don't see people listening to prophets like this, Mm -hmm. and yet the people actually pretty much all listen and repent. So... Anyway, God relents of his coming wrath and decides not to go forward with it. And then in chapter 4, Jonah says, okay, well, I guess you're a good God and that makes sense. Uh, no, not at all. Jonah is basically not even fully convinced that God's really, really going to uh, relent from his wrath because he like sets up, a it says, a booth. And he's sitting there waiting to watch the city burn and uh, then God teaches him a lesson and uh, sends this this uh, tree to grow, and it grows, and he provides Jonah shade, and then this worm eats it, and Jonah gets really salty and angry, and God rebukes Jonah again. Um, and there's there's a, a prayer at the beginning of chapter 4, which I failed to mention, um, but he points out how he knows that God is... He Basically, he says, I knew you would do this. I knew that if I came here and I preached to these people that you would forgive them and you'd relent of their wrath. And he gets mad and goes and sits and waits and all this. So, um, And then at the end of the book, uh, God says to Jonah in verse 9 of chapter 4, do you, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, that's Jonah, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? And that's the book. That's the last Mm -hmm. last piece of the book. So uh, kind of a strange ending, but I think there's a lot that we can learn from this. Do you have any comments before we start hitting into some of these questions.
1: I think I can I think I can embed them in our conversation okay. so I don't know if I need to. Have, yeah, I'll hold on to them.
0: Good cuz you can't make any comments right now. I'm just kidding. So I'd say if you think like what kind of lessons can we learn from Jonah? Maybe the first and most obvious one is you can't run from God. Uh Jonah thinks of God here as some kind of geographical god that Gods the God of Israel and he doesn't have jurisdiction outside of Israel and he has a completely improper perception of how God operates, who God is, God's authority, God's power, all that. And you can see that he even kind of as the book ends, he still thinks he maybe he's shifted a bit, but it seems like he still doesn't really understand God's um uh, encompassing authority over all all mankind he still sees him as his God, my special god that's mm-hmm. not doing what I want him to do um, so you can't run from God maybe that's a, a little bit running from that point but.
1: well you know when you when you say it like that you can't run from God that for Jonah especially in his perspective that's that's a negative like he's he's trying to get away from god and he's not able to but I thought of psalm one thirty nine where David expresses a very similar idea, but as a positive, as David says, "Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my if I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me." It's really a comforting thing that you can't quote unquote run from God, that you can't get out of His presence. But Jonah didn't necessarily see it that way, right now.
0: I'm yeah. glad that you brought that Psalm up because that's a great point. But yeah, Jonah was not looking for that. Uh, you know, first he gets in the boat and tries to start sailing away. And then I I put this in my notes, and I think this is interesting that not only that, but as the waves are getting bad and the sea's getting bad, he goes down in the deck and tries to go to sleep because sometimes you know we think if I just go to sleep, it'll go away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, maybe if there's like a storm outside and you're someone that, you know, you'll, as long as you get to sleep, you'll be okay. You might, uh, go to sleep just so it, you know, <laughs> just,
1: Yeah, it, it's an escape. I mean, some yeah. people will do that just to escape.
0: It's yeah. It's clearly not, <laughs> not effective. No. Um, uh, it's, it's another thing that I think we can learn from this is maybe something that Jonah saw is that God is merciful to Jonah. Um, We see in chapter 2, he seems to have learned that as he's um, in the belly of the fish. I I just find this prayer so interesting. He starts out in verse 2 of chapter 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me, and then I said, I am driven from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Uh, just that image that's there of God rescuing him and saving him, I think he's got that at this point. I would, I would hope so. I would agree with that. Um, but we can see that he at least understands that God has displayed mercy upon him and given him a second chance. Another thing that we can learn from this book that I don't know that Jonah learned is uh, that mercy is not just for him. That's for others, too. And it seems like even though he's been given this second chance, he doesn't think that anyone else should be given the second chance, or will be willing to claim that second chance. Um, as you can see in his reaction in chapter four, the beginning of his prayer. So after he's, after the people of Nineveh have repented, in chapter four it says, "But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry." And he prayed to the Lord. So first off, he's saying an angry prayer, mm-hmm. which is probably never a good idea um, to pray when you're angry to try and get your way. Uh, but, but he says, uh, O oh Lord, is, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and rel- relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He's just got such a misplaced sense of who number one is.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, the contrast between Jonah's attitude towards the Ninevites and the his shipmates towards Jonah. Because when the storm is going on and Jonah comes up and they wake him up and they, he tells them, hey, this is my fault. Mm-hmm. He said, you can just throw me overboard. They don't want to. They're displaying a mercy toward Jonah that he's not willing to display to the Ninevites at all. Mm-hmm. And this lesson, as you noted, it seems to be totally lost on Jonah. And then God's merciful to Jonah, and that seems to be lost on him too. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I, of course, we're all looking backwards at this. And typically I say, you know, sometimes we're too harsh on these people. I don't think we're too harsh on Jonah. Yeah, His heart seems to be just totally in the wrong place
0: yeah yeah and that that kind of leads me to my next point is that God's people are not owed happiness I think that's really what he thinks here in uh in chapter four as he's sitting there waiting for them to cook Mm uh he's kind of like well this is the way that I've envisioned it this is what's going to happen finally some justice and uh God is the judge, not Jonah, so uh, just this this idea that he's going to get what he wants um, is not not true.
1: Interesting you use the word justice because justice is such a prevalent theme in scripture and and you know, it it's the Jews that are also going to be complaining about a lack of justice, and here, you know what Jonah really wants isn't justice, it's vengeance. He doesn't understand justice the way the Lord understands it. And so he is dissatisfied because he's not getting what he wants. What he wants is very wrong.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you made that distinction. So if we shift and start asking some of these questions of ourselves, like, first thing I thought is, am I someone who's running from God? And, and before I even get started with this, I... There's some of these that we can try and answer and do some introspection, but I would say for our listeners, ask yourself these, ask yourselves these things. It's some good um, meditation thoughts and things like that. That what, what in my life am I running from that God's calling me to do, um, that I've been called to do? Um, you think like, what kind of things are we tasked with as children of God that you may not be, you might be intentionally avoiding? Or um, kind of ignoring, mm-hmm. uh, hoping that it will, you can buy it enough time that, you know. You know, one we
1: just talked about is this idea of justice. Find out what biblical justice is. Do yourself, do a little study for yourself. Find out what it is that God wants. Um, just real briefly, God wants to make sure that people are taken care of, that no one's being disadvantaged, and uh, disadvantaged is not the right word. No one's being taken advantage of. Um, no one's being treated cruelly. If you're in a position where you can do something about that, then I think as a Christian, you are absolutely called to do that. You don't have to wait for a vision from God. No, this is the expectation. He's already told you. Uh, so that's that's one area, and again, there are lots of others, I think.
0: Yeah, amen. I, I, you made me think of something. There's uh, something in a book I'm reading. talks about... Um, there's two different ways to display so i'm just going to say it like this intentions minus action without action intention without action is squat Mm -hmm. nothing happens when you have all the good intentions in the world and you don't do anything nothing happens intentions plus actions is will Uh, when you have the will to do something You'll take your actions and you'll act on your intentions to make something happen. So when you think of these kinds of things, you might have good intentions, but the question is, are you actually doing it? Good intentions are not actions. Yeah, um, that's good. Anyway. Do I pray arrogant prayers like Jonah does in Jonah 4? Um, one thing that I've asked myself lately, and I try to ask myself often, is who is this prayer about? Um yeah. If you start out your prayer and the first thing you say is, thank you for this, thank you for this, and I'm not saying that's bad, but you say, oh, I hope my job goes well today. I hope my thing does this today. I hope this please be with my, please be with that for me. And you start to realize that your prayers might just be all about you and your life and not about the lives of others. And so I think uh, asking yourself the question, am I praying arrogant prayers or am I maybe self-centered prayers or are my prayers focused on others
1: I I think about um, and I I think we may have talked about this on here maybe a long time ago praying acts have you ever heard someone talk about that acronym that you pray ACTS adoration confession Thanksgiving supplication Um, you know if you're, you're praying adoration obviously that's all about God confessions about my sin Thanksgiving is what you were referring to starting that prayer with the blessings in my life and that's certainly appropriate but then also supplication not just for yourself Mm -hmm. and one thing that occurs to me from time to time is how important it is for me to make sure that i am praying on behalf of others who maybe don't know to pray for themselves or are not in a spiritual position Mm -hmm. so to speak to pray for themselves i have an ability and thus a responsibility to be that voice for
0: them thank you for bringing that acronym that was good do I remember that God is with me at all times? I mean, that's something that's pretty clear here in the book of Jonah. and We'll get to maybe uh, something about that in a second. How often do I see God working in my life, and do I give him praise for it? Because I think Jonah could have had a totally different attitude at the end of this book, and yet he didn't. So,
1: Yeah, how often do I see God working in my life every time I think to look?
0: Yep. Yeah, if you keep your eyes closed and you're just focused on yourself you don't see that often because you Mm -hmm. think wow I'm doing great yeah so if we look at the end of the story of Jonah Jonah is criticized for his attitude towards the plant and we're left hanging on what uh, what he did in regards to uh, the rebuke and we we don't really know what happens after that Um, so I'll ask you this question who is the story of Jonah about
1: story of Jonah, ironically, is not about Jonah.
0: That's right, yeah. <laughs> story of Jonah I don't know about, if Jonah knows that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think Jonah understood that. But we get the va- the benefit of hindsight in lots of other contexts. We know that the story of Jonah is like every really other book in the Bible, and it's about God.
0: about God and God's mercy. Um, you think of his patience with Jonah in this whole situation, his patience with the Ninevites, his compassion on the Ninevites... Um, so, so we've looked at Jonah. Now, uh, maybe end it with this: We don't know how our story ends, and the question is, who are who? Wh- what is your life about? Is it about you or is it about God? And you still have time before it ends. So the question is, what are you going to do about it?
1: Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Lamentations 3, 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him.